everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Taylor. And now we're talking, Darian. Hello and welcome. Today is June 1st, and today we're doing something a little bit different. Instead of profiling some of our leaders, our small business owners, uh, we're actually going to talk to two experts in the real estate market. We have Jeff Kelly, the managing broker at Houlihan Lawrence, and Barb Hazelton, a residential and commercial broker and the former president of the Board of Realtors here in Darien, and also Liz's sister, um, <laughs> to come in and talk to us about this incredibly hot market. I mean, this is probably the biggest investment any family will ever make. So knowing what's happening in our town and you know how these transactions are going, happening, what's happening in the market, I think is pretty relevant right now to our audience. I know. Well, I have to apologize up front, Taylor, because uh, my sister and I sound so much alike. So uh, my husband probably is going to take a, um, a pass on listening to this podcast because he's <laughs> not going to be able to hear two of us in one room at once. So, um, But to your point, yes, I feel like every time I'm in a conversation these days in Darien, 50% of the time, it goes back to real estate and how hot this is. People want advice. People know what's going on and how to navigate it. So let's talk to two people that um, can tell us those things. Excellent. Here we go. Jeff Kelly and Barb Hazelton, thank you guys so much for coming. Let's kick this off. Jeff, can you tell us about your background? Um, I grew up in Darien, um, and uh, I have, for the preponderance of my life, spent every minute in Darien. Um, I went to Royal School and Mather Junior High School, which a lot of people may not remember. Um, and uh, I, when I moved back to, to New York, felt the big sucking sound that most of us from Darien do, and eventually had to come live in Darien and raise my family here. Um, I am a lawyer by training and worked in Wall Street for a bunch of years, but uh, again, had to come work for my family's business, which at the time was called Kelly Associates. And now I'm running um, a company we sold that business to called Houlihan Lawrence here in town. Yeah, your dad started it, right? He did. He he originally worked for a company called William Pitt, which was my mother's father's business oh. and ran that for years. Wait, your mom's dad was William Pitt? Stepfather, actually. Which is now but yes, Sotheby's, right? Yes, correct. Okay. And uh, my dad ran that business for years, but ultimately um, had a sort of a difference of opinion about a lot of different things and decided to start his own really Darien-centric business that was, and some may remember our signs were even Blue Wave Blue. And uh, for 25 years, actually for 30 years now, we've been number one in Darien, our office, um, wow. every single year. So it's been great. That's it's been awesome. a really fun run. It's been fun to be back. Barb, how about you? I have now lived in Darien for 20 years, have four kids that I've raised here, loosely, loosely raised here. Some of them are still being raised. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> that is the truth. I am a residential realtor, but was not always. I started doing it for a shoe money. But now I've gone into commercial real estate. I do some work with the Zoning Board of Appeals in town. I am a Zillow Premier agent, which is something you pay for. We can talk about that. Um, and then I was a former Darien Board of Realtors president as well. So that gave me a little bit of different perspective. Right. There, there are 400 agents. More. In More. town. Really? 400 agents. And for 19,000 people, that's our population. I want to say it was 21 plus. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a little 22. higher than You're right. That. You're right. It's more. Okay. And you, you guys work for Houlihan Lawrence. Correct. That's oh, just Jeff. a coincidence, but I do work at Houlihan Lawrence with Jeff. Exactly. But then name for us, what are all the agencies in town? Um, Basically, there's a, there's a few. There used to be a whole lot of them. If you go back into the 80s and 90s, those were all sort of small mom and top shops, Kelly Associates, Wheeler, you name it. There was all these little little firms. We've had a lot of consolidation. Now you have Houlihan Lawrence, 
Um, Brown Harris Stevens is, is also in town now, a New York based right, firm. Right. I see their name a lot. Yep. Um, they merged with Halstead or Halstead was merged into them. Um, you have a William Pitt Sotheby's franchise office. Um, and then now you have a new entrant, which a lot of people are probably talking about. Compass is now in town. I don't think they have an, a, an office proper, but they do have some agents here. Um, and then you have Caldwell Banker and Berkshire Hathaway and some other smaller offices as well. Okay. Well, we want to bring you in here because there's no question this market is hot right now. Like, talk to us about the trends you're seeing and what's happening. Um, the market has never been like this. Let's be honest. I mean, the market always swings too far in terms of the supply demand picture. It's very rare that we have what we would call a balanced market in residential real estate. It's just too finite a, a market. Mm. Year in, year out, we probably would have somewhere on, on along the lines of 300 transactions a year in Darien. Um, last year, we had 440, wow. which was a record for Darien. 2020. Correct. Okay. For calendar year 20. Okay. Um, that was the, the largest number of sales in any year. And wait, since when? I mean, Jeff, you've been doing well, this for, what, since, 30 years? Let's put it this way. Since anyone's been keeping track in okay. a real orderly way. Okay. So <laughs> we're crazy. talking like 1990-ish was as far back as we could go. Okay. Um, so... This, this year, um, as we sit here today, actually, I was just looking, it's funny, it's June 1st today. So we, I was just looking at these numbers as I normally do. We have 53 active listings in Darien. Um, and we have sold. That doesn't um, sound like a lot to me. It, it, two years ago, 2019, we had 272 wow. active listings in oh, Darien wow. for sale. So we are operating at, no at an unbelievably low level of inventory. Um, and our ability to sell properties is is unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, so buyers are immensely frustrated and sellers are elated with, with what's going on okay, in most why, cases. What is going on? Why is, I mean, is this all COVID-driven? Is this the it, simple answer? Or that you- was the original catalyst. I mean, if you go back to winter of 1920, not, not 1920, but the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, just pre-COVID, we were all sitting around with 230 or 340 listings in town saying, oh, my God. Remember the old expression, sell it to who, yeah. we would say to people. We were nervous. Sellers were freaking out. We were stacking up inventory, particularly what? at the high end. And, we, and doesn't, weren't housing prices in Darien at that time almost, not all-time low, but they were at a low, they were at the bottom. We've right? always held our value pretty well. I mean, our average price back then was probably, what, a 1.2? The trajectory of home prices in Darien is, is something that has been – pretty steadily inclining for decades. Um, okay. It's been a wonderful investment. Um, somewhere on around 08, 09, frankly, you know, think Lehman, Bear Stearns, et cetera. That event was the first instance we'd really seen of, of people who had owned a home in Darien experiencing a loss on that asset. Okay. It suddenly became an investable asset class, largely because people suddenly said, wait a minute, I can actually lose money doing this. Um, it was always sort of a preconceived notion. You buy a house in Darien, you raise your family there, you turn around five, six, seven, eight years later, sell it, and you make some money. Great. Yeah. Well, that, that's a, that suddenly became a questionable proposition. Um, and we really haven't recovered from that since. Um, you mean that mental state? Or- correct. Okay. And I don't, recovery is probably the wrong word because maybe it was an awakening. Who knows? But yeah. The bottom line is people now are focused on real estate as sort of, wait a minute, I'm putting this money to work. And, and the question as, as to whether, that's a good investment or a bad investment is now something I'm considering. So you're, so to, 2019 going to 2020, you're sitting there with this, this heavy inventory, right? And 
Sorry, go back to that. I haven't even angry cut. sellers. You know those. We do those meetings. I'm looking at Barb because she does those meetings too, right? And we, <laughs> yeah, right. those meetings were horrible. You What's go, an angry yeah. seller? Well, they're, they're furious just saying, that we're not doing our job. Why haven't you sold my home? Well, you need to lower your price. Lower my price? I mean, and that's really what it comes down to. When you price, and the market's super efficient at this, you really can't price a house incorrectly unless you go too high. If you are accurate to low, what you find is that the market's efficient and delivers buyers. And if you don't see that buyer in the first week to ten days. Something's off. Okay. You're usually priced. Interesting. Okay. Guys. So we're, so we're sitting there last winter before COVID and we hear about this disease over in China and all of a sudden, and it, the first inkling we had in Darien was our rental market. Oh. It exploded. Mm. All of a sudden, the 20 or so rental properties we had in Darien just Gone. disappeared. Yeah. And it, that took place in about two weekends. Yeah. Right? Avalon it, was at capacity. Everyone was on waiting lists. Yes. People came out and largely that was from the city and, 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 our, our market, people love to say, oh, it's all about the city and people moving out. Yes, that is a component of our buyer and renter population. But it, it had always been a piece of it, not the whole thing. But somewhere in March last year, it was just unbelievable the amount of New York plates we saw cruising around Darien and firing into our parking lot and saying, give me whatever you got. Mm. Well, it could be expensive. I don't care. Give it to me. Mm-hmm. Got so it. So it was a wonderful time to be a landlord. So and own a pool. Have you owned a pool? Okay. Right, well, right. That's sort of the second generation, right? Is Okay, so... <laughs> Now it's March and things are getting pretty nasty COVID-wise in the city and elsewhere. And people are coming out and wanting to rent. And suddenly we have no rentals. Um, right. But more importantly, this, this, it became recognized this might be a more protracted proposition. Um, and people now are thinking about buying houses. So suddenly people are turning their heads to, and it started at the low end of our inventory in terms of prices. People would come out and just buy a house. If they can afford it, you know, what the hell? And then, and as Barb points out, you know, Amenities like pools, tennis courts, home gyms, certainly a home office was huge. Yeah. Um, Didn't that always go for a premium, though? No. No, it didn't. Sometimes pools are a detriment. It could be a safety issue. You find that pools net out. When in praise value, pools don't bring or detract necessarily. They're flat. Okay, but you think that's changed? Yeah, it's totally changed because people are living and spending. Well, first of all, they're looking at houses not just as an investment, but as a lifestyle choice. They're at home far more than they were. Um, outdoor spaces become hugely valuable. I've had a lot of people come to me and say, bring me a make me move offer. What does that mean? Like, wow, my house might be worth four million. Somebody pay me five, five, I'll move, move tomorrow. Yeah. Make me move offer. That was a huge thing last well, spring. Zillow had wow. that component on their early days in their website. Remember, you could post That's a number right. there like, hey, call That's me right. and I'll sell you for they're this. Oh, smart. Um, but I did find that that didn't work. I think that no. this buyer pool and Jeff may or may not agree, but they were very savvy on value. They would pay a premium, but not without all the data and not without the luxury components. They weren't just going to throw money. Okay. So that question, who's, who's coming to Darien's market? And so it sounds like COVID, Jeff, you mentioned like, so people in New York are saying like, okay, let's get out. But is it really, either you guys speak to this, is it really New Yorkers or is it people from Westchester? Is it from all over Connecticut or? Well, that's interesting. You talk about where, where they're, where, where they're do our buyers from. come from. I mean, yeah. if you talk about where someone was raised, Typically, the people that move to Darien have some connection to it. Uh, they might live in New York, and we would define them as coming from New York. Yeah. But they grew up in Greenwich, or they grew up in Westport. They have some connection to this area. Totally. It's pretty rare you see it. When we have seen, look, COVID has created some buyers out of thin air. We have seen that, where they have no affiliation to any of these towns, and they're just in their car driving north. On, you know, They got Long Island Sound on their right, and they're just like, let's stop here. This yeah. looks nice. <laughs> But, but that's always been the exception and not the rule, and it still is. Um, 
largely people who like who want to come to Derry and have some reason for that. Um, so it's just accelerated what was already happening. Big time. Um, and, and totally inverted the value proposition of space and two acres or a large spaces, indoor and outdoor. Um, back in pre-COVID, we were sort of lamenting the fact that, you know, I hate, the, I hate to use this term because they use it in Greenwich, but, you know, backcountry living, you know, mm. our, north part of town where we have more two-acre zoning, yeah. was less attractive. In fact, you can believe the, it. the tax assessors were putting a lesser value on those appraisals because people were desirous of smaller properties close to town. Remember, I mean, if you remember pre-COVID, the whole vibe about whether you want to be near town, low maintenance, I don't want a big lawn to mow, I don't want a pool. City water, city so, sewer. Yes, my yes. Life simple. Natural gas. Wanna, that yeah. was definitely a theme that we were seeing. And actually, sure, that, that yeah. dovetails into the, the, the demand for new construction, which we can talk about separately because that, that sort of feeds into that, that low maintenance lifestyle. But anyway, COVID turned that all on its head, and I mean immediately. Uh, people wanted space. They wanted a big house, they wanted a small house. They wanted but extra rooms. Have I not heard maybe accurately that there have been a lot of deals that are falling through, and that a lot of buyers coming from the city might not be aware of what's involved in taking care of two acres and you know a good point. house? Like, is that why these deals are falling? And first of all, so are they actually falling through more often than they have in the past? It's a highly emotional market. I think what what has I've seen as an agent is you get people that come in and throw money at the deal just to get the house. They just got to get this house. They're in a panic. Mm -hmm. But as they start going through the process of doing the due diligence, you find, wait a minute, there's a there's a buried oil tank or there's probably not a buried oil tank oh, anymore, sure. but things come up that they're her. unfamiliar to a city buyer and all of a sudden they're spooked. So we have been careful about changing status until these deals are a little bit further down the pipeline to protect, kind of protect everyone. So Jeff, you take that. Interesting. No, I, I, I have not seen that. I, I haven't seen the phenomenon of, of deals falling apart. Um, because what I do see in, in, in within the transaction, I mean, I, actually, I would argue what we do for a living as realtors, it, people think that we find people buyers for their property, introduce, that's important, you know, exposing a property and marketing it. Mm -hmm. But I, I would argue the real value of what we do is once a buyer has been identified, and both parties seem to want to engage in a transaction. There's a lot of work to be done to get that from that moment to it, the closing table. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of heartache and emotion and all that kind of good stuff tied up in that. And frankly, a good agent versus a, a not so good agent can really show themselves during those times. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, I almost view us as like, shepherds of a transaction, not creators of a transaction so much. Um, Quarterbacks I, of a big team. I, I want to talk about that because I'm very curious. Cause, but but mm. before I get there, there's, there's a lot to unpack there as Taylor likes to say, I love that. <laughs> that's a good one. Do but, I say um, that a lot? You say that. I think it's a good saying. <laughs> but the thing, can you guys just give us some quick numbers? Like what were, what was the average mean selling, selling price of a house in, you know, 2019, 2020? What is it now? How quickly are these houses, when they go on the market, how quickly are they being turned over? Um, and what does a buyer need if they're going to be ready and they're going to hop on the dairy market. What do they need to have in hand to get in on this? Um, I'll you start. I'll un oh. I'll unpack that. If you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like you're making fun of me. Totally, we of are. It's a good thing. <laughs> um, I forgot your question. What was it? Average house price. Oh, uh, the median sale price in Darien is probably has historically, and I don't mean just, you know hand, last handful of years, trailing four or five years, is probably around one four. And, and different, I, I say around because different people calculate using different numbers. And okay. Real estate data tends to be sort of garbage in, garbage out. But um, let's call it one four ish. Okay. Um, and that is actually holding 
pretty steady throughout all this craziness that we call COVID. Then why is everyone trying to like, you know, un- you know, downsize, get out of their okay. house now? Like the market's at a high value everyone's okay. hearing. This well, there's a lot of different price points. Let's be careful with okay. real estate data in general. People talk about the median or mean sale price going up or down. Yeah. Um, if we had the worst real estate market in the history of Darien and sold only two houses next year, but one was five million and one was ten million. Yeah. Our median sale price would be seven and a half million. Yeah. Okay. okay so, okay. It, it's flawed data. Um, okay. I don't. You know, just because the median sale price goes up or down doesn't mean anything as it relates to your property. But aren't house values in general higher than yes, they've been? They are for sure. Um, okay. And now let's be careful because a lot of the data you're looking at for real estate is data that's based on closings. Um, and frankly, a lot of the heat that we're looking at in our market, particularly this spring, is transactions that are still pending. They haven't closed yet. So any real estate data you're looking at is, by definition, 90 to 120 days old. old. It's, a, it's all oh. lagging indicator kind of stuff. So it's very difficult to really know what the pulse of a little finite real estate market known as Darien, Connecticut, where only 300 or 400 transactions take place. You really almost need to talk to somebody like us, frankly, to know what's cooking so I guess this is more of like a reading the tea leaves situation. If you had to guess year over year, how much are property values up? Depends on the price band. Um, yeah, good I'm, point. I'm going to go with... Let's say at the 1.4-ish level. I'm going to go with 10 15%. And that's from the hip, let's be honest. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want any one homeowner to make too much of that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... What this really turns on is not value. What this really turns on is demand. What your house is worth is what someone's willing to pay for, pay you for it. Yep. Now, that sounds simplistic and it sounds like I'm avoiding your question, right? But it, but not really. Because if you have one person who wants to buy your house, he's going to pay you what you think is value for it. And it's, a, it's an orderly negotiation and it'll be centered around looking at comparable data and all kinds of good stuff like that. Um, if you have four people that want your house... Well, now no one really cares what it's worth, quote unquote. It, sure. it, it's what it, it's <laughs> worth to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're dealing with that in real time right now. So when you ask me what prices are doing, I, I kind of bristle a little bit because, yeah, there's a couple transactions where we have pierced the ceiling of what I thought was value. And we are now in the stratosphere. Yeah. Um, and whether or not that holds or not, I don't know. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, but 10 to 15% is something that is real. Um, the bigger issue, it's not just money. It's also time. Selling a house in Darien, Connecticut doesn't take as long as it used to. Um, and it, it, it's a much more certain proposition. So it's enabled sellers to go buy something first if they have the means to do that. Um, and I, I'm being careful with my language here because I'm not, I don't want to tell people to go run and buy a house. We can definitely get it sold for you, whatever number you want. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're in a market where you buy first, sell second. Um, two years ago, no way would you go buy a house with any kind of assurance that you're going to get a real number for your house. Right. So this is the, a lot of what we do is sort of not just deal with can we sell this or can we buy that. It's doing both things together and lining up all the timing and the financing and all that kind of good stuff. And it really depends on your own personal situation, you know. Um, I would even say to some people, some, we've had people buy first and then the time is more important than money on the sell side. So they're willing to put their house out there at not a discount, but at a real base number um, and sell it and be done um, because time is more important than money to them. They just want a nice orderly. They want things to line up. Mm. So, yeah. sure. And let me say something about Zillow's values, which have gotten better over the years. 
But Zillow is a tool that relies on us to provide that data. And early on when Zillow hit the market, we didn't share that data like we do now. Those numbers have gotten better, but it makes me insane when a buyer comes in and tells me the price of a house. There's so much value that a, that a realtor in market can provide. You're okay. never going to get so Jeff just said that. So you, you just kind of alluded to this, like this small little niche, these 300 houses, like, you know, a lot of young millennials and stuff would say like, there's no value to an agent anymore. Okay. I'm just gonna put, okay. I know. Don't jump on it yet. But like, you know, let me set it up. There's no, you know, we can, what we can get from you guys, we can get from Zillow. So I, I mean, go to town guys. Tell us. I or, love this guy. Let's, let's call him Chad. Can we? <laughs> Joe, okay. <laughs> um, and actually, when I was talking about the data, he popped into my head because yes, there's a lot of these guys and data has never been more available on real estate, right? There's tons of t- tons and tons of places to, to obtain this data. Uh, I think I just made the point that most of this data is, is either old or frankly, a little, a little skewed Skew. depending on what your source is. Or it could is. be inaccurate, right? I've gone on Zillow before That's and seen a house listed for, exactly. for one and a half million. And I look, I look, and I called an agent and said, you know, what is it? And they were like, no, that house went for two and a half million. I'm like, what? Like Zillow doesn't right. get everything right. Well, three right. years ago, the owner of Zillow, Posted his own estimate and it was a million dollars well, off. Let's also remember, you know, <laughs> Chad works on, probably works on Wall, Wall Street, Street, which is a much more orderly market. And okay. so when Chad operates in residential real estate, he gets frustrated because he's trying to look at, you know, the price per square foot of houses in Darien. Um, you know, he's, the nuances of yeah, why a house. That's the way New on, York City works, right? Yeah. Cause you know, the, why is this house on Mansfield, you know, worth less than the house around the corner on this quiet private cul-de-sac? I, I don't understand the difference. But if you went to a market like Arizona where all the track houses sure. are the same, then, then square footage number does equate. So oh. what, where, where I think Chad also needs help is that, you know, these transactions, even that there's only 300 of them or so, and he's looking at a certain price range. So we're really talking about probably 15 or 20 transactions that are relevant to Chad, right? And his purchase of whatever he's going to do. Um, those transactions happen for all kinds of crazy reasons in our business. Our business is not orderly like an investment. It's not objective. Um, you know, you can look at a transaction and it'll turn, you know, why was, why is that transaction that, why was it priced that way? Well, it turns out that that was a brother selling to the sister for tax reasons. And there's all kinds of reasons real estate transactions happen. Or you had to stay in a particular school district. That are grossly inefficient. Mm. So I, I, so you talk about the the realtor aspect of this and we're not here to, you know, say how valuable we are, but it's interesting when we counter these guys, you can really help them understand this, this messy little business we're in called residential real estate. Well, no, I, I, I get an inside perspective because Barb has enlightened me to a side of this business where, you know, even I as a new buyer and when I came to Darien, like, you know, I, you know, agents are kind of like, I think they're overvalued. You guys make these huge commissions. Like, I don't see the value of what you guys are doing. And you speak to this to me all the time. Like, Barb, what is you guys value? What do you know? I don't think a lot of people understand that when a house goes on the MLS and someone commits to a contract with a brokerage, they have committed to paying both sides of that commission, regardless of whether or not you are represented by an agent. So, got it. So, buyers so, come into this market and they think, well, I'm going to come unrepresented because then I can save that part of the commission. No, no. The seller has already committed to that commission. So, you're not necessarily saving money. Now, it can be a negotiating point, but more importantly, I think the value we provide is I mean, we are selling a community. We. You know, the schools, you know, like yeah. the pluses and minuses, why live here versus live here? Why go in this district? Why go why this neighborhood's price at this value versus you the know, neighborhood next to it? Like, when I moved here 20 years ago, you had to get a different agent for each market you were looking in. So I remember looking in Wilton and I had a Wilton agent. Yeah. And then I looked in Darien. I had a Darien agent. That's changed. And I think that's a detriment to the buyers coming into this community because we 
have incredible insight. We are specialists. It, it kind of is incredible. I think you are at a complete disservice when you don't have buyer representation. I don't think people really understand that you're just flying solo out there. And so much of the inventory doesn't hit the market, is quietly talked about. Well, oh, yeah, pocket sure. listings. Does pocket listings. I mean, what is a pocket listing? Does that exist anymore or no? Oh, yeah. It does. And that's listings that go through a certain brokerage that Especially no one else gets today, to hear about. Yeah, they can't it, be marketed outside. Jeff will- okay, a, a pocket listing is also known as an in-house listing or sometimes referred to as a non-MLS listing. Mm-hmm. It, it's not widely distributed. It, you, if you don't, COVID actually drove a little bit of this where people didn't want a whole bunch of people in their house. Yeah. Um, they would basically say, you know, find me a buyer for my house mm-hmm. and make, make this as clean and simple as possible. I don't want it on the MLS. I don't want a lot of people in here. Right. So, and the broker would say, Oh boy, I would love to do that for you. Cause you know what that does? I can't by rule market your property outside my firm, but I'd be delighted to find you a buyer. Well, what have I just done? If I take that listing from you, I, I've increased exponentially the likelihood that I'm going to get both sides of your transaction. Mm-hmm. So brokers love to fan the flames of, Oh, let's pocket list it. Mm-hmm. I personally think that. The seller is massively disserved by that. Um, right, because then you have an agent, you're using an agent who's representing the person you're negotiating totally. against, basically. Oh, let's, not even go rep- into, let's not go into dual agency okay. unless we have afternoon. But, but a lot of people who value, I've had a ton of friends that moved to Connecticut and they're like, oh, we were so smart. We used, we just went right, we used the selling agent. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. They man. just talked you into that transaction. Yeah, they, just, they made both sides. They made both sides. It was already in their deal and then they, they didn't negotiate for you. They, the higher oh, price they negotiated. They, well, the higher price they the get for the house. to the, the seller. Yeah. Right. So they get the more you pay as a buyer. They get everyone. They get yeah. the, the everyone. I got to tell you, I, I had a case recently, this a few months ago, I had a house that listed. Well, he came to me and said, I think our house is worth this. And I said, yeah, I kind of agree. I think you're a little high, but whatever. Through our office, a few people heard that it was coming on. They got a make me move offer. They got an offer that was $150,000 over their ask price. And I thought their ask price was high. And I said to them, you should take this. This is good. You'll never have to show your house. Take that offer. It's it's over appraisal. Wow. And the guy said, you know, if I can get this without trying, what can I get if I put it on the open market? And I said, you can get 90% more eyes on your listing. Yep. You. He got $400,000 over his asking price. Wow. wow. We literally would have left $300,000 on the table had he chosen to quietly list it. I mean, that's an extreme example. But boy, have we talked about that. What the MLS, the power of the MLS yeah, I is. I don't love pocket listings. You think somebody in my position would love them, but mm-hmm. I try to give every seller who contemplates this what I call the speech, which is at the, you're, you're going to get offers on your house through the pocket listing process, okay? Um, they may or may not be the perfect offer, but regardless, at some point, you're going to sit up in your bed at 3 a.m. and say, wait a minute. Could I have? Could I have done better if I... Blast this thing out to right. the world. The market's efficient. I don't know, but it's really hard to accept an offer. And Jeff, when you know you're not getting as many offers as you possibly could get. And then that same question could be, or should people be asking themselves, could I get a lot more if I used an agent versus I do it myself? Potentially, potentially. Like, I, I, if I had to guess, and this is totally a guess on my part, um, where this lands is like a lot of industries that have had sort of a full service, whatever dominator in any, in their business. As, as the consumer has more and more information available to them, um, you largely because of the internet and things like that, um, people start to drift away. You get a bigger, bigger spectrum of buyer demand. 
Some people will want full service. They will. Some people always want to hire Hertz, right? Mm -hmm. But some people want discounted service and less services because they think they can do it themselves. I think we'll end up with sort of a larger, broader spectrum of service providers in our business. Uh, how that looks, I don't know, but uh, I sort of feel like there are just some buyers who um, just really believe they can do a lot of this themselves. Whether they're right or whether they're wrong is really dependent on their capabilities, but I think and that's we'll, where we're headed. Will we ever know, though? Because if you listen it yourself, you'll never know what you could have gotten, right? True. So there's no... True. Well, I want to go back and understand the buyers a little bit better. I mean, especially selfishly in my seat on Board of Finance, I'd love to know more about what people are looking for. What do they value in this town? Like, we know the first thing out of just about every person's mouth is schools. But is it low taxes? I mean, is it... Absolutely. How much do buyers know about the Darien community and the management of the Darien community? Well, we're the second lowest taxes in the state next to Greenwich. But more importantly, I don't think people appreciate what a fiscally sound town looks like. This town takes care of itself. Thanks to Jamie Stevenson. Thanks to Jamie and Taylor on the Board of Finance and people like Jeff Kelly who get that this community reinvests in itself. Yeah, not to get on a soapbox about this, but yeah, I think that is really the secret sauce to Darien. Now, a financially viable town. But do buyers know that? Well, no. we tell them when they work with an agent, they, this is the message we're supposed to convey. That Once they're here, they know it. No, I think when if a good agent takes you out, right, Jeff? If a good agent takes you out, they're selling you on the community. They're selling you on more. It's it. You said it. it for me, it begins and ends with the schools. Um, I can't tell you how many times when I used to list ways to work with buyers, you drive them through. And this was back when the high school was brand new. I used to drive them through the University of Darien, as we called it. <laughs> <laughs> and people's jaws were on the floor. Yeah, um, it's a beautiful facility. And, you know, and we've got two blue ribbon schools. And people are, again, because of the availability of the sound information, people come in knowing a lot about the, the rankings and the, and the reputation of our school system. Um, and that is a number one by a factor of 10, the number one cause of them being here. Um, it's the schools, for sure. And safety and all the things that go along with having a good school system. But it's it's really about raising a family here. But how often do they choose Darien over another community for low taxes? Ever? Hard to know. Every now and then, historically, I will hear that more so as a comparison to Westchester County. Yeah. And they're not looking at Darien yes. specifically, but they're flipping into Darien, into Connecticut. That's from how Bedford, we got here. Yeah. From Bedford, from Scarsdale, Rye. 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 Um, you know, usually they're saying, wait, this is crazy. So if I'm going to live here for the next 30 years and they do some quick math and they say, this is crazy. I, you know, take a couple more train stops and save myself a whole lot of money. Yeah. Um, there was a sheet that went around from one of our mortgage brokers that showed same, so it was a house in Scarsdale for 1.2, house in Darien for 1.2, and it broke down what you pay in taxes. You literally could have bought a Honda Civic every year wow. for the difference in taxes alone. <laughs> so I bring that up all the time. I mean, I'm always telling my buyers, do you understand how much you're saving in taxes? I mean, that's money you're just throwing away. That is just gone. That is not fun money but to spend. Darian always totally. has this thing that comes up every year. Taylor, you could probably speak to this about our taxes being raised and our mill rate being re readjusted and like, you know, the talk about, like, you know, regionalization of our schools. Does, doesn't that impact this idea of yep. low taxes and like what people are, are buying into? Yeah. I mean, well, there's a lot of threats to our tax rate, but I mean, one of the most important components of our tax rate is our real estate value. Like if the real estate values drop, no matter what we do with the budget, taxes are going up. Mm. And because every year the budget goes up, I mean, the the education budget alone, which is two thirds of the overall budget, it's going up every year because, you know, teachers contracts and everything else that have to rise. So, yeah, I mean, we have to we have to continually invest in things that make our real estate values secure and, and healthy and 
in the elements that make people want to be here, like our schools, right? That's the, mm-hmm. the cycle everyone's talking about. You know, we've got to invest in the schools because that's what keeps people coming in. Mm. And we have, you know, Oxridge has a new elementary school coming online this year. Hindley is a blue ribbon school district. That's a national accreditation that never goes away. And our middle school has it. Where do you go in the country where you find a middle school that's doing it right? Public middle school. Middle school. You know, this might be an interesting question for you, Taylor, is with the changing composition of our housing stock, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward now to, you know, think of all the apartments we're putting in, both in Roten Heights and downtown. Um, history tells me, and mainly I'm thinking of Kensett when I, when I say this, history tells me that the biggest draw for those types of properties is, again, the school system. Um, I remember when the guys were building Kensett, we went up there for a tour. I don't know if you were with us that day, Barb, but we went up to Kensett and walked around as they were just putting the finishing touches on phase one of that. And I turned to the guy who was, who was giving us the tour and said, so where's, is there a playground or what are you going to do with all the kids? And he looked at me and said, no, no, this is targeted to young Senior, professionals right. and some seniors. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just came just away laughed. saying, yeah. But the bottom line is we had a fundamental disagreement about what attracts people to Darien. And now Kensett's been successful, but in a way that they never foresaw. I mean, I, if you remember the tales of Wakemore Street with the, with the line of cars, no, on, a, on a cold morning, it became typical for people in Kensett to drive out to the entrance and line up on Wakemore Street in their cars, warming their children, waiting for the bus. Oh, got um, it. And then the Oxford school bus that would pull up would basically get about half full at that one stop. Right. Yeah. And they um, never expected it. And they never expected well, it's it. It's happening at Avalon so, also. So I have oh, the really? same conversation. Using that as my template, I'm sort of looking forward saying, okay, if we put a bunch of apartments in Darien, affordable or otherwise, um, it seems to me that a large component of those at least should be, you know, single parents with kids, couples <laughs> with kids, whatever. Um, it's funny, I was just talking to Rusty Schreiner, who's heading up the building of the Oxridge yeah. project about this at the parade yesterday. And he actually acknowledged that Oxridge is going to be an increased capacity over the school that they're replacing, which is good. But, uh, I asked him jokingly when we're opening Hollow Tree School. That was the sixth elementary school when I was a kid. <laughs> oh. Um, because where are we going to put all these kids capacity. is the question. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because enrollment, um, I believe in the state has been on a downward trend in most towns. I think we've been somewhat of an outlier. Um, we've held steady. I think they're still forecasting a small decline over the next 10 years, at least last time I read the report. But um, certainly de- development of that kind is going to bring more families. Because I know when I was thinking about it, right, like you're in an apartment with two kids, going to essentially a larger apartment, right, like something like Kensett is a really nice happy medium. Like I don't have to worry about a leaky roof necessarily because my homeowners association or whatever is going to take care of that and someone else is going to mow the lawn. Like that's really appealing, right? But I still get a backyard and some grass and a lot more space inside for the same money or or less. I think that's a really great proposition for people leaving the city anyway. And I think kids, I mean, absolutely come with, you know, any new development here, right? Everyone wants to get their kids in the school system. So yeah, I'm glad that they've expanded capacity at Oxridge. I, I've, and John Zagrodsky said this. He's like, I have a hard time believing or betting against Darien yeah. long run, right? Like, we're going to end up with It's a kids. slam dunk. It, it is the best town in all of Connecticut. You haven't even talked about what's going on here commercially. Well, that's, I wanted to jump to that. Can you talk? So I know, Barbie, you're a commercial agent as well. Can you talk about all the developments going to town? And, as, you know, as Jeff said, you know, all the, the impact, not just on the apartment side and the, the density it's going to bring. Can you talk about what it actually looks like from a commercial 
real estate perspective. I mean, really for the last 10 years, Darian's been looking at bringing commercial development, both, you know, downtown Corbin district, David Genevieve's project yep. we had on here uh, week two. Yep. And then in Neroton Heights, it's kind of split. There's the Palmer side to the West. Um, Palmer's market remains, but all that, or Jimmy's South side and everything, that's all being newly developed. Can you give us an update on that project? I cannot. <laughs> I cannot tell you what I think I know. But the Palmer's market, <laughs> they, Jeff, you know them. They're an old, like you guys, an old family. They've been in town for sure. 100 years. Oh, I mean, oh, Palmer's sure. been 100 years now. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Can you say anything? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Is it moving Somewhere, somewhere forward. You think it is moving forward. It is moving forward. It is moving okay. forward. The, now, the exciting part is on the other side where federal is. Where I mean, federal is. It's like gangbusters, right? It is like gangbusters. They know what they're doing. They do this all day long. They understand their market. They understand the kind of retail establishments that bring and attract. But to your point, I mean, we've just created this inflationary market. I mean, people are going to want to live here. Right. And it's smart the way they're planning it. Mixed use space. They're reducing leases from 10 year to five year. They are putting in, they're connecting indoor to outdoor space. They have plenty of parking or Uber pickup stands. They have green space. It's just mm-hmm. really smart. You get off that train station in the Roten Heights and walk across the street. And you can walk to anything you need, Everything. right? Everything. Your coffee, your donut, your ice cream, your haircut. Your Back in the day, or... there was an area in Darien that didn't sell that great. And it had some of the lower priced houses those have gone through the roof, man. Those have gone through the roof. People want to walk. Interesting. People Let's, want to be in town. You said inflation. Let's talk about that for a second. Like how much of a wet blanket has the increased cost of like lumber per se, yeah. you know, it affected this market? Are we seeing it slow down because of that or? Yeah. We, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. We just talked about that this morning at our office meeting. Um, land. We have a few land listings um, that are not moving. Um, They're good too. Well, there's two things going on as it relates to development, you know, residential development. Number one is, you know, builders slash developers tend to be a little more disciplined in the way they buy things. Uh, and, and they're looking at this market and saying, you know, I, I can't participate in this. This is just froth. I mean, I'm not going to participate. I'm out. Um, also, as you point out, lumber, copper, all the things that go into building a house have gotten much, much more expensive. So their math has gotten much more different than what our market is. So the spec market's dropping off. Well, it seems to me that it has to at this point. Um, I'm seeing a disinterest from our rank and file builders who, who are, you know, for years have just been cranking along here in Darien. Um, so, and we have a few good list, you know, lot listings that are, I would think would sell. Um, part of that's the pricing of those things is not consistent with what they would historically like to pay. And, and as you point out, you know, everything's getting more expensive. So, it's a, it's just a weird time to be trying to be a disciplined buyer of anything, frankly. I mean, right, forget right. residential real estate. I mean, any, things are expensive across the board. Um, so I, I hear guys talk about the stock market the same way. Like, I'm just out. I'm not, I can't buy this stuff. It's too expensive. So and then and the so, next week it's 10% higher. And we're, I would argue, and I don't have a crystal ball and this, the demand side of our picture in Darien has astounded me at how long and steadfast the demand for residential real estate in Darien has been. I mean, this has been going on for 14 months. I mean, last mm-hmm. summer, historically, summer, when the 4th of July comes into view, things should get quieter. Yeah, and the reason they do is because people need to commit to school systems. They need yes. to be in homes when the school year starts. So you lose. Our population is mostly families. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, just to back up a sec, what you said is important for, for anybody considering selling a house in Darien. It is, again, all about schools. Okay? Yeah. So – 
buyers have in their mind a ticking clock that ends somewhere the first week or two in August. They want to be closed and in a house by August because, again, it's all about getting the kids into the So when does that deal need to go down then? So it needs to go down a lot earlier than most sellers think. Um, I use the Super Bowl as usually the kickoff point of our spring market, which surprises people. Um, it, it, yeah, exactly. Like people freak out. It's like, oh, but my house doesn't look good in February, right? Oh God, I want to know. I'm going to put it on in April or May. You're like, no, put that thing on in February, March. Because why? Because by the time people, I mean, technically in this market, you could move a house, bar me, in like one, two weeks, a house, but then how long there is There's no bad time to put a house on the market. Because if you put it on in the winter, there tends to be less inventory. So you might do better. There's arguments on all yes. sides. But if you want to sell to around, to Jeff, to back to what you were saying, to around the school district close, if you put it on in February, then what does that timeline look like? Well, Mr. Buyer wants to be in the house by August. That's all he knows. Okay. Right. Um, and he may have plan or, you know. I, people walk in our office for years now. People walk in and say, Oh my God, you know, my peonies are blooming. Let's fire this thing on the market now. And you're like, Well, we can't get this in a normal market. Now, this market is a little unique, but normally we can't get that done that quick. Um, well, mortgage brokers need 45 to 60 days standard if you're financing a home. Okay. If you're a cash buyer, that, that changes everything. But I have to say, cash, cash is king. I don't see that as much anymore. Cash is still king, but. You mean you don't see as many people coming in with all cash offers? We still see it. It just doesn't hold as much weight as they think it does. They think that's going to get you the deal. Dropping contingencies also weighs in if you will take a house as is. As a buyer, if I walk into a house and I see like a roof that's maybe rotting or I see like, I don't know, maybe a possible oil tank could be in the yard. I'm just okay, whatever. Contingencies. I right. accept them all. So you're seeing a lot of all cash, no contingencies yep. transactions. We just had our first instance that I can ever remember of someone waiving their building inspection contingency. In other words... I'll take it. I don't even want to inspect it. Were they going to knock it down? No. That's it's crazy. It's a beautiful house. It's it, And it's not what? inexpensive. We're talking over $3 million. Do people just want to get in that badly? Or is, yeah. it that, is that competitive? I, it, there were five offers, I think, on the property. And they felt that this would definitely distinguish them from everybody else. They said, absolutely no contingencies. <laughs> I'll sign a contract as soon as you put it under my nose. We're done. Wow. And yes, they got the house. <laughs> I mean, that was one of my one. Like, uh, it's crazy. Close out questions, but you guys jumped to the gun here. Like, what does someone need in hand if they want a house in Darien right now in this hot market? What, I mean, do they need to walk in then with what? What? I don't want to freak people yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it, it you can't advise that. It <laughs> totally depends on the property. And this is where we come in, frankly. I mean, I like to sort of counsel a more measured approach. Um, buyers can get really worked up, you know, especially a buyer who's bid on a couple of things and hasn't gotten them. Now he's ready. He's ready to just fire every gun he's got at this thing. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's our job to sort of help them through that. And, um, but it really helps when things get competitive. If you're looking at a house that's, you know, on sunset and everybody wants it and there are 10 offers. Yes. Having, um, no mortgage contingency attached to your offer is, is a compelling thing for the seller. He doesn't have to wait around for you to maybe get a mortgage, maybe not. Um, so yeah, for sure. And um, that closes that timetable as you're saying too. So if you want to get in a house, like if you want to get in that house by August for the school year, you were saying Taylor yes. in the beginning, the school driver here, yep. then you can't you you could have the luxury of waiting to put your house on until oh my gosh maybe June. But well, here's the things fun, gotta fly. Here's a fun one for you. Um, this is actually we've invert. This is how inverted this market's gotten. Um, we listed a property. I won't name the street because it might lead people to know who it is. But we had the first instance of a seller deciding they didn't want to sell just prior to the closing. Oh. And they said, get me out of this deal. Why did the seller not want to sell? For a wonderful number, a price that they could never even have dreamed of. 
couldn't they, find anything. Else. They couldn't Nowhere find to anything to buy. Yeah. So this, you know, the dearth of inventory that Darien has is experiencing is is everywhere. And these people were looking in Florida and couldn't find anything. They looked all over the place and couldn't find anything. And they, I could tell that they were not excited about the upcoming closing. And um, ultimately, they they we had to unpack the deal. <laughs> so, um, like real quick, like I don't know how much insight you have to this, but I'm guessing due to the size of the firm, the scope of the firm, like you can talk about what does this mean for New York City? What I'm hearing from brokers in New York City, and, I, and I, the problem with resident, residential real estate anywhere is people always talk their own book, right? Residential real estate people are always with a customer. Mm-hmm. They're never, you know, playing golf. They're, oh, I'm, I'm with someone else. I'll call you <laughs> yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. I'm so busy, right? Oh, makes sense just now. crushing yeah. it all the time. So <laughs> it's hard to get good information, but I would tell you the data in New York is, is getting better. Um, it's, it's, it's slowly getting better though. They'll tell you it's, it's wonderful and, that, and it's all getting normal again, but, uh, New York residential real estate's taken, you know, a significant, significant hit at its high end. Um, not super, super, super duper high end. And that's true in Darien too, by the way. Our super high end is a different market, you know, yes. long neck waterfront, yes. you know, that kind of thing is, is its own market. Okay. Um, but no, I think New York is still off significantly. I, I mean, um, at commercial and re- residential, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I never thought I'd see the day when all these traders, cause we have such a big financial, group of people in Darien. I never thought I would see traders working remotely. Well, that's the scary thing, right? So now we've got firms that can relocate to Florida. And they are. And they are. Uh-oh. And so that's a big Morgan question Stanley. for Darien, right? Like, what do you guys think about the long term? I sense I mean, a political do... discussion coming. <laughs> no, no, I won't even go there. But no, I mean, we are clearly um, the beneficiary of our proximity to New York City. And that's mattering less And if that less becomes less. less important. But beaches... Parks, schools, we have much more country strong clubs. athletics. Kind of, yeah, that's not, that's a part of it. Yeah. But to your point, I mean, yeah. big picture, longer term, I mean, right now it hasn't mattered a bit, right? People fled the city and here we are. I and mean, we've been a beneficiary of that. So we're only 37 miles from the city. So you'd think maybe we would be bundled up with urban living and everyone would be moving to Omaha. But so far that hasn't happened. Longer term, I mean, if, you know, I, I kind of know what you're, you're suggesting, which is, you know, if Bridgewater moves to Boca Raton, is that a problem? That's not good. Um, but for right now, every house we go in, and we go in a lot of houses, we price them, we show them, et cetera, et cetera, there's always that one room with the guy sitting in there in his sweatpants, mm-hmm. looking at three or four screens, grunting at you over his shoulder, right? That's the guy. Yeah. And he's Oliver Darien. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. If that's going to change, I don't know. I mean, my friends are sort of telling me that, that it might, but not permanently and not totally. Like, there'll be a couple of days where that's going to happen, right? Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. Yeah. Well, one thing, you know, like, actually, that's kind of a good segue into another question I had for you guys. And, Barb, you might be um, able to speak about this eloquently because um, one of the p- reasons people still love Darien after you go aside the schools, the beaches, the bar- proximity to New York City, 37 miles, like you said, Jeff, is the beauty of New England. And part of the beauty is our, the homes we have here, the, you know, the, the collection of homes, uh, characteristic homes. And, Barb, you are just the agent who sold Darien's oldest home, the Pondweed home. So can you just give us an like, overview of what old homes mean in the sale of Darien? and just like the the value and the interest even yeah that was, it was a tough sell honestly um we got a ton of people looking at it but i think in general people don't want a big project and the other thing is darian doesn't really protect its homes historically the way i would hope that we would that home was at risk of being torn down and quite honestly 
Someone could have torn it down and sought forgiveness after the fact. There's very little to prevent that. We don't really have a historic commission that protects those homes. We have a lot of people who care about it. You're one of them, Liz. I mean, Liz has created a historic subcommittee as part of Architectural Review Board in no, conjunction I, I want to. With I have. <laughs> you know, we have the town historian Marion Castell. We have a lot of people who really care about it. And it's not just antiques. It's homes that are architecturally significant. Maybe it's a Frank Lloyd Wright home or a, a Fraser Peters home. Do but, these sell well, though, for as an agent? If you guys get these listings, do people like these or, or is it like a tough sell? <laughs> you, you know what's weird to me, and it's, it's always struck me as odd, is, is people that look new, ha- there is a huge preference among first time or actually any home buyers really coming into Darien for new construction or, or at least updated. Um, and especially lately with COVID, people just want to come in, come out here, chuck their stuff in there. They don't want to do a project. Right. Um, well, and there aren't many contractors to it, do the work either. It's just always struck me as odd. People, people come to Darien, which is one of the oldest towns in the country and say, I, I want a new house. It's like, well, wait a minute, you know, we're known as a sort of yeah, beautiful, I love colon- that you say lots that. of old colonialism. Yeah, no, 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 not those. I want a new house. It's like, <laughs> True. It's, I mean, that's one of the fears though. Like a lot of people, not fears, but one of the stereotypes of all new people coming to Darien who just went new turnkey, yeah. they're missing this element that first attracted them in subconsciously to this town. So, so if you guys have like just talking to this audience of people, like they, they, they want a newer home or they, they want to upgrade a home. Barb, you're on the ZBA, which is our Zoning Board of Appeals. So that's the group that oversees all variances, anyone requesting, right, a variance to their house. Um, there's also planning and zoning, right? You go through, you can have an application of planning and zoning to get approval for any sort of change on your house. Can you guys, if, if someone has a house and wants to make uh, renovations to it or build on it or, do, you know, they don't have this turnkey option like you guys are talking about, what is that process for how to renovate your home or build on a home or, or buy an old home and add to that? You can do anything you want to your home as long as it doesn't encroach within a setback or if there are wetland restrictions. So the best thing to do is start with a survey. And a lot of older homes don't have them. They haven't needed them. And it can cost $1,200, $2,000 to get a good survey. Um, And then you run that by the town. You say, here's what what I have in mind for my plans. It bumps to zoning board if you're doing something like you're increasing capacity behind uh, you know, the, the space, the limitations of the space. Like you can build up to 20% of your space. Maybe you want to go to 22%. Okay. But you can justify adding a bathroom or a mudroom. You've got to make an appeal through the town. And if people are um, looking for agents, I know Board of Realtors in town, right? Board of Realtors is, what is that and how does that, um, what is Board of Realtors and how does that bring back to how people come and look at agents? Well, every agent has to hang their license with, uh, you know, some kind of board. So, you know, we have a local board in Darien. Some markets do not. There's okay. a state board you can be a part of. And you're a previous president. I am. So is Julie Peters. So is Julie. And now it's run by Brennan. You know, mostly it's it's a fair representation of each brokerage in town, typically. You know, it can be some of the heavier brokerages could have two people on the board. Okay. You serve um, typically a three-year term. The presidents are a year. But the whole point is just to bring value both to agents and to the community, Okay, you know, through real estate. But uh, the board does a really nice job okay. of keeping it local. So if someone's coming to town and they're looking for an agent, what do they do? <laughs> Ask around. Ask uh, around. I look, agree. I, I would be much more concerned with the person you're hiring, the agent, rather than the brokerage they work at. Yeah. Um, and I look, I, I run a brokerage. So what am I saying? I mean, I'm saying what I don't do, what I do is less important than what Barb does. I say that unequivocally. Um, the complaints I get are not about the brokerage and the platform and the tools and all the stuff we love to talk about all the time in, in meetings. It's really about the person and the communication skills. And do I like this person? Particularly if you're looking to buy a house, 
be mindful of the fact you're going to spend six hours. Such a personal thing. For a handful of Saturdays with this person looking at houses. And it's, you know, it could either click or it can't. And it's all about personal stuff. Um, So we have to sign, you know, we have to be represented to take somebody out. Um, And a lot of times I'll say to people, you know, every agent will be like, you got to sign this before we go anywhere. And you're supposed to. That is what we are obligated to do. But it's just, just right. It's such an emotional thing. You want to make sure you hit it off with your agent. And I've said to people, look, I need to like you as much as you like me. This is going to get emotional. This is going to be tough. This is the biggest investment you're going to make. You trust each other. Yeah, let's make sure that we gel. And, and and I also, when I list a property, I'm like, I'm part of your brand. I'm an extension of your brand. Can you work with me? What's the communication going to be like? I agree with Jeff. I think there are a lot of great brokerages. But you've got to pick your agent carefully. Mm-hmm. I like that. Good advice. Yeah. Because let's face it, there's 425 of them there again. <laughs> At 50 listings. So there's, there's people that are doing this for, for real, and there's people that are sort of dabbling in it. Totally. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. It's been thank great you. to have you. Thank you. See you so guys. fun. Thanks.